Would you please turn with me to your study outlines? And as you're turning, if you'd like to use a mobile device rather than old-fashioned paper, uh, you'll see how to do that on the screen behind me or the instructions are there on the study outline that's there in your program as well. And as you're turning, let me welcome those of you that are joining us online. Every week we have hundreds of people from different places in the country and around the world join us in the study of God's Word. So, so glad uh, that you are joining us today, as well as our friends at First Baptist Church in Arco, Idaho, who are with us, as well as First Baptist Church of Kalispell, Montana, and the Hangar in Marion, Montana. And so we are so glad that you're joining us for our study here as well. Now we're going to take a one Sunday break from our chapter-by-chapter study of the Gospel of John. I'm going to go back to it next Sunday. We're going to have Good Friday in August, and the Sunday after that, September 4th, we're going to have uh, Easter Sunday in September. And then after Labor Day, we'll start on a new series, uh, a new series that we'll do after we finish up the Gospel of John. But today we want to take, as we anticipate the, the fall, you know, we really consider uh, mid-August, although August is kind of the new September. A lot of you already have your kids back at school. I know I do. And yet this is kind of the time when we gear up. It's almost like we mobilize a spiritual army to do spiritual battle in the fall, the next four months, September, October, November, December. And we kind of mobilize the army to take spiritual territory. And so what we want to do is take a week out and just talk about one of our core values. You know, we have our core values here, found people, find people, and giving people, giving generous people, transform society. And we have the different five core values. One of those core values is we're designed to serve. Every person is designed to serve. And you will find your greatest fulfillment, your greatest joy, your greatest sense of meaning and purpose within your life if you figure out how God has designed you and know that you are designed to serve God and to serve other people. And so today is Volunteer Sunday. And we're just focusing in on the volunteer positions we need just for Sunday. There are ones that go throughout the week, and we'll talk about those later in the fall. But for right now, today, we're talking about the hundreds of people. It takes about three or 400 people to have a Sunday services and the Bible studies and the life groups and the Sunday school classes, the adult Bible studies uh, that go on across our campus all three hours, you know, from 8 or 8.30 in the morning until 12.30 or 1 in the afternoon and beyond. And so just the hundreds of volunteers, it takes just for Sunday. And that's what we're going to zero in with Volunteer Sunday here today. You are designed to serve. Now our theme verse is Isaiah 6 verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Let's read that theme verse out loud together. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Now I want to start with an example, uh, one that is uh, very near to my heart and uh, close to home. And so as we uh, share this opening example, let's watch this together. I am from Cali, Colombia, adopted from uh, the orphanage there. And I was placed in the orphanage when I was two years old and I lived there for five, six years. And then during my time with the foster families, I was eventually adopted by Pastor Glenn and Kimberly Gunderson and have been living with them for the past 20 years. Back in 2009, I graduated from the uh, Bible school in Lima, Peru. And during my time at the Bible College, I, I felt the Lord was just putting on my heart to go back to Colombia and uh, minister to 
to the people of Cali. I graduated and my family came down. We, we talked and we just said, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to go back to Cali and um, look for my birth family. And my family and I, we've been talking about this for a long time. We've been praying about it, and, and uh, we just felt so right, like this was the, the time that God was uh, presenting for us. So after my family left to go back to the States, I made my trip for, for Cali. Get out of the bus. We uh, we came in contact with three pastors who we already had asked to meet us up there. We were searching Tuluwa, and uh, I kid you not, within 15 minutes of our search, we came to the right exact location where all my family was living. One of the pastors asked if he um, if he knew a Luz Lambana, and Luz is my mom, and. Uh, to my amazement, the guy said, you know what, Luz and all her family lives about four houses down and uh, they, they should all be there right now. And uh, at this point in time, I'm starting to tremble, I'm starting to just get um, excited, but at the same time, just I don't know what's going to happen. So um, we just allow the Spirit to lead and we, we keep driving down, we stop the car and uh, the pastor goes and introduces himself to the, to the lady that he, we had come across. And then uh, the pastor said, my name was uh, Juan Carlos Ceballos. And when the lady heard this name, she just started weeping. She introduces herself and says that I'm your, I'm your aunt. And at that point in time, I just started to, to just break down because I had found one of my birth family. And I, I started to uh, embrace her and just hug her and just take her into my arms and just say, um, tell her my story, what I've been doing and that um, I'd come to, to find any of my birth family. My aunt told, my, told me that my mom lived right behind us. At this point, just all sorts of different family came from just all, all over the place. I had my, my, my cousins, my other aunts and uncles. I met quite a few of my brothers and I had one sister that I met. Maybe half an hour later, my, um, my mom was coming down the street and I just saw her coming down the street with a little kid in her, in her arm. I um, was walking down the road and I was just thinking all these thoughts like, what is, what is, how is she going to react? What is she going to say? What, um, is she going to accept me? I just, all these different things. But I just allowed the Spirit to just calm me down. And I looked her in the eye and I said, my name is Juan Carlos Ceballos, my name at this given time. And she just took me in her arms and we embraced and we just started crying. And, and we uh, walked away from people that were behind us and we just started walking down back towards everybody else. And we just had a good time just for a couple hours just getting to know one another. And also I wanted to, to let my family all know that I was a Christian, that I was saved, and that I wanted them to know the good news. So the pastors were able to um, evangelize and witness to the, all the family members that I had met that day. My birth brother and some of my cousins and some of my aunts and uncles that had come to the Lord that day. My dad, I met a week later because my brother had told, had called my dad and said that um, his son was looking for him. I just looked at him and I just like, I had compassion on him because uh, 
This man had gone through a lot. This man had uh, had lost many of his children. This man is part of what brought me into this world, and I just felt so, I felt so much love for him, even though I never laid eyes on him or, or met him. But at that moment in time, I just felt compassion on him and just love for him. I told him my story. After about an hour and a half or so of talking with him, he, he came to know the Lord. So it was just a wonderful story how God just uh, allowed me to meet all my family and for a lot, allowed for many of them to, to come to Christ. All right, isn't that a great story? My goodness. And and now the story continues because uh, John and his wife Natalia, uh, she's from Peru, he's from Colombia, as you saw, and uh, their children, Alejandro and Emily, they're heading out in a couple of weeks uh, to be missionaries in Peru. And so, uh, you know, I said to them, missionaries need to make great sacrifices, so I'm sure you're cool with the grandchildren going to stay here, but you guys are going to go. I know you're going to miss them, but it's just one of the sacrifices of being a missionary. So, John, tell us um, where you're going to serve in Peru and what in what capacity you'll serve? Yeah. Uh, we're going to Cajamarca, Peru, and that's in the upper, um, in the north part of Peru. And we're going to be at 9,000 feet, so we're going to be high altitude. And I'm going to be working at the Bible college that I went to in Lima. It's now in Cajamarca. And I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be the executive chef there at the Bible college. Very good. How many of you have eaten some of John's food? Anybody there? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Very, very good. Very good. Uh, Natalia. Uh, Natalia is a pediatrician. And uh, so how are you going to use your medical training? And then how do you see that paralleled in the ministry of Jesus? We're actually talking about in our chapter here in a couple minutes. Um, we are going to open a pediatrician uh, office in our, inside our house. And we also are going to walk many hours to find different communities that they are in Cajamarca. They are very rural, very poor. They are isolated from the city or from every, everybody. They don't have schools. They don't have hospitals. And they also never heard about the gospel in their life. So we're going to go there, find these people, and we're going to be um, creating a big outreach John is going to be cooking a big meal for everybody. I'm going to be doing free checkup for everybody, and we are also going to share the gospel. And we call this our ministry, uh, the healing and feeding ministry. The reason because we were inspired is because we see Jesus doing that in all the stories through the Bible. He was going everywhere. He was healing people. He was feeding people also. And that's exactly the same thing we're going to we're going to be doing, we're going to be healing them and also feeding them physically and spiritually. All right. Awesome. All right. <laughs> and then, um, then John, this is the dad question and the father-in-law question. What percentage of your financial support do you have so far? Okay. Right now, um, we just, we praise the Lord and um, we're at 90% of our budget. And we're just, we're praying that God will just continue to keep blessing. Yeah. All right, good. Let's let this couple know we love and appreciate them. Boy, very, very good. Okay. I'll tell you that in a second. And, and I tell you what, could we stand up? Could we stand up together and just uh, extend a hand of faith, you know, uh, if you feel comfortable. If you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. But if you could just extend a hand out and let's pray for them. Lord, 
It's, it's just incredible what you do, Lord. It's a picture of what you do for us, is that you, uh, you snatch us uh, from uh, the orphanage of life, and you adopt us into your family, and then you send us out to serve a world in need that is hungry and is in need of healing, spiritually and physically. And thank you for that's John and Natalia's story. Thank you that they met when John was at that Bible school in Lima and, and fell in love, and now they and their precious family are going to Peru and I pray that you'll protect them, uh, you will bless them, you will use them for your purposes. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Very, very good. All right. You guys can have a seat. And here's our principle. Here's our principle for all of us uh, here today. Do what you can do and let God do what only he can do. Do what you can do, whatever you can do, wherever you can do it, and let God do what only uh, he can do. And it doesn't have to be far away like Peru. I love what um, Pastor Brian always says. He says, your mission field is your zip code, or your zip code is your mission field. And I love that. It doesn't have to be Peru. It can be your zip code. It can be the address of where you work, where you go to school, um, the address of uh, where you recreate and, and, and where you connect with your friends. That zip code, that address, that is your mission field. And it's usually in an area where you are gifted and trained and experienced, but not always. Sometimes God uses you in an area where you aren't particularly gifted. You all know that I've talked many times about how I am the least mechanically inclined person you have ever met. And whenever I say that to people, they're like, oh, I'm not either. And then I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm in a class of my own. I, there's a special kind of stupid going on with me, okay? And, and so, and then the example I always use, I've said this probably a hundred times. I've said, I can't figure out where to put the gas on a rental car. That's, that's a line that I've used dozens of times. I can't figure out where to put gas on a rental car. Well, God has such a sense of humor. A couple weeks ago, because we're traveling and visiting the churches in Montana and Idaho that are connected with our church, and so we're driving down the road in Idaho, and I saw what must be a typical sight in Idaho. A huge pickup goes by, and this guy has got tied in the back the biggest elk head I have ever seen. I mean, this thing had a humongous rack on it. It made me feel so wimpy, the little deer buck that I have mounted over our fireplace from when I was hunting as a kid in Virginia, and we have that over uh, my uh, our fireplace just to help me feel like a more of a man. But I tell you, after seeing that elk head, I feel like less of a man. And so it happened that we went to the same gas station. So I'm talking to the guy, did you shoot the elk? And what, you know, I was just admiring his elk there. And another lady comes out about a middle-aged lady, you know, uh, and she comes out, and we're just talking about it, and she's snapping pictures of it with her phone. It was that impressive, and she and I are just talking about it and talking about the elk head, and as I'm talking, I proceed to get into her car rather than mine, <laughs> and, and, and her husband's sitting in the, the passenger seat, and, and she says to me, she says, well, you know, she just keeps talking. She says, well, if you want to get into my car, that, that's fine. I was so embarrassed. I was mortified. I showed her that her car was identical to our car. I'm telling you, it was like, it was a Ford Flex black, exact same coloring and everything. The only thing that was different is it didn't have the Purpose Church decal in the back, you know, but, but that's the only thing that was different. They were absolutely identical to each other. I showed it, we had a big laugh, and I sheepishly pulled the car off into another parking space. Well, she starts walking over to me, and she goes, you know, our car is a rental car. And we can't figure out how to put the gas into it. Can you help us? 
And I'm like, as a matter of fact, I can. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me show you. And it does have a funky flexes if you have one. They have a weird thing where they don't have a gas cap. She couldn't find the gas cap. It just, you open it up and you just put it right in. It holds right in there. And so I showed her how to do it. Now it gets even better because they were from Oregon. Let me ask you a question. What can't you do legally in Oregon? Can anybody tell me? You can't put gas in your, in your own car. As a matter of fact, let's do the trivia test even more. You have to be an East Coaster to know this. What's the only other state other than Oregon where you can't pump your own gas? Anybody know? New Jersey, yes, we have some East Coast people there. New Jersey and Oregon are the only ones. So this got even better. She goes, would you show us how to pump gas? I'm like. So I took her credit card and I swiped it through because I'm good at that, and I'm experienced at that, and I pushed the right button for the right amount of octane, and I pumped her gas for her, and I'm feeling like a man. I tell you, I, 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 felt, like, like, I felt like Gene Scarborough. Now, for those of you that are visiting, Gene Scarborough is the head of our building and grounds here. Gene is a real man. I'm a fake man, okay, but I felt like Gene Scarborough. And then Kimberly walks out from the gas station, and she sees her man helping somebody mechanically that had problems with their car. And I'm doing my, like, Usain Bolt. I'm like, like, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, Kimberly snapped a picture of it. Here's, here's what that looks like. That is the picture right there. It was just a great, great moment. So, so anyway, sometimes you serve in a different zip code, but usually you serve in your own zip code. And sometimes you, you serve uh, not in your gifted area, but usually you do sh serve in your gifted area. Most of the time uh, you do, but sometimes you don't. When Jesus heard what had happened, Matthew chapter 14, and what had happened is his cousin John the Baptist had been executed by the notorious King Herod. And John the Baptist and Jesus had a very precious relationship. You know how you're close to your cousins? It's a different kind of relationship than your brothers and sisters. It's closer than a friend, but not as irritating as the siblings sometimes. You know, your cousins, those are just awesome relationships. And, uh, and, and, he, and they understood each other. If anybody could understand Jesus at this phase, it would be John the Baptist. And he had just been brutally imprisoned and is beheaded at the whim of a young dancing girl and her mother and the head on a platter presented to Herod. And, and this, the human side of Jesus grieved over this. He needed time alone. And so he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. He was just like, you know what? I'm just not into ministry today, the human side of him. You know, he said, I, I just, I, I can't do it today. I, I, I gotta be alone. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the town. So the crowds got wind of this. They walked around the top of the Sea of Galilee. They went across a ford in the, in the northern part of the Jordan River there, got to the other side. So here's Jesus just wanting some downtime and alone time. He hits the shore. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had irritation on them. No, that would have been me. Okay, it's like, you know, if you ever had just enough of people, and I'm a people lover, and I love every minute with people, but just Jesus hit that point, you know, and he just wanted to be alone. But no, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away. 
And this is our reaction. Many times we say, there's so many needs in the world. There's so much hurt in the world. There's so much brokenness. You know what? What can little old me, what difference can I make? Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. You see a need? You meet the need. So many times when we see a need, we say, somebody ought to do something about that. And say, somebody ought to do something. And, and, and to us, that need is so obvious that we thought, well, there must be a hundred people that have seen this particular need. And Jesus says, no, maybe I only revealed it to you. Maybe you're the only one I revealed it to. That means you are the one that are to meet that need. Now, not every need that you see is one that you're called to meet, okay? But, but many times, the reason you're seeing it is because you're the one called to meet it. So they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only, only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answer. This is only mindset, and only mindset. I can't serve God. I only have a high school education. I only have two years of college. I can't serve God. Uh, I, I can't teach in Awana or teach kids programs or you be a small group leader in, in, in student ministries. I can't do that. I only know a little bit about the Bible. I only have a little money, a little bit of time, a little bit of experience. And, and Jesus says, hey, don't worry about that. Don't have an only mindset. Say, okay, all I got is five loaves of bread and two fish, and there's a lot of need out there. And here's what Jesus says in verse 18. Bring them here to me. Take the little bit of experience you have, the little bit of time, the little bit of money, the, the little bit of background in, in that area, or maybe the zero you have in that area, and bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Okay, that's part one of the story. Part two, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. This is how you serve. You serve, then you pray. Then you serve some more, then you pray some more. When we work, we work. Okay, when we serve, we serve. When we pray, God works. And so you serve, and then you pray, and then you serve, and then you pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Do you ever feel like in your life you're just going nowhere? You're just rowing all that you can, but because the wind is in your face, it's like being on a rowing machine, and you're just stationary, a stationary rowing machine. You are doing all that you can, but you're not going anywhere, and that's the way the disciples felt. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. While the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Now, this is one of the, there's a thousands of evidences that the Bible is a supernatural book. It is God's word, uh, the, the, the message of the Bible, that Jesus is the Son of God, thousands of reasons to back that up, thousands of reasons that this book is supernatural. Well, this is just one of them, is that every, almost every other work of antiquity 
they always brag on themselves. I mean, Pharaoh, so-and-so, was so awesome at battle that he won every time he went out to fight. He was amazing. King so-and-so of Babylon, King so-and-so of the Assyrians, never had a bad day. He was awesome 24-7. And then you come to the Bible. And, and, and the writers of the Bible, and usually if you're writing an autobiography, you're trying to give yourself the benefit of the doubt. They write things that make them look like absolute idiots, okay? And here's one of them. They were terrified. They cried out, it's a ghost. The original Greek word is phantasma. It's a phantom. Now that's even bad theology because the Bible doesn't teach that there are ghosts, okay? So that's even lousy theology. So we cried out in terror. We said something that's theologically incorrect and they cried out in fear because they were cowards. And I'm telling you, you know the only reason you write that is if it's the truth. The only reason you tell that story that way is because it's true. And, it, and it's just one of thousands of evidences that this is God's word. So anyway, uh, they were terrified. It's a ghost. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, usually Peter's the one we make fun of in this story because he only got so far and then he got scared and he began to sink. Other than Jesus, Peter is the hero of this story. Because he's the only one that was stupid enough to get out of the boat. He's the guy. He's the guy that, that got out of the boat, okay? And, and, I, and I tell you what, it's the person that's willing to look foolish that will experience adventures with God. Uh, Kimberly had one of her friends at Boston University. And actually, one of the most gifted women, uh, one of the most gifted in, women in America today, I'm telling you, just unbelievably gifted, her, her friend, and has gone on to just an amazing career. And she was just amazing at whatever she tried. But she, Kimberly said this about her. She would only try something if she could be the best at it. Only, only she, and there were a number of things. She, she had a number of things that she was the best at. But Kimberly said her friend would only try something if she could be the best at it. I tell you what, you miss out on so much in life if you'll only try things you can be the best at. If, if you're willing to try stuff that may make you look foolish in the end, um, to, look, to look dumb in the end, uh, that's where the adventure is. When you come to the end of yourself and you say, I can't pull this off and God shows up, that's when life gets interesting. That's when it's exciting. And so Peter says, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to cry, sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Now, he got his eyes off of Jesus, got it onto the wind. Okay, that, that's okay. He gave it a shot, all right? And that's what happens with us when we begin to serve. It seemed like a great idea to be a junior high small group leader. And we say, I will step out of the boat today. And you step out, and then all of a sudden you're sitting there in a circle with junior hires. All their eyes are on you, and you see the wind and the waves, and you begin to sink. You say, I'm going to step out of the boat and serve in the nursery. And you take that step, and all of a sudden you're sitting there with a crying baby that won't stop crying on your lap. And you see the wind and the waves, and you begin to sink. You say, I'm going to be a greeter. And so uh, you sign up uh, today to welcome strangers as they come, and all of a sudden, uh, somebody's walking towards you that you don't know, and you see the wind and the waves, and you begin to sink. But I tell you, that's when God shows up, 
And that's when life really gets fun. You know, I had a great example of this at the 8.30 service, and they all loved it at 8.30, I'm telling you. I started to tell a story and forgot where I was going with it halfway through. And I said, this is an awesome story, but I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But it just came back to me, okay? It just came back to me. Uh, yesterday, we had Alejandro's, yeah, what, hour and a half later, boom, there it is. Um, I think, okay, I think. Okay. So anyway, last yesterday, we had um, Alejandro's 10th birthday party, and so we had a big slide in the backyard, and I was in the spa with the kids, and they were going between the cold slide and the warm spa back and forth. And I'm in there, and here's a, a couple of uh, fifth and sixth graders, okay, at this party. It's just all 10-year-old boys, 11-year-old boys, and, and all these 10-year-old, 11-year-old boys, and I'm just having all these intellectual conversations with them in the spa. It was awesome. And, and two of them, fifth and sixth graders, have volunteered for media ministry. They're on the cameras. And one of the fifth graders said, Pastor Glenn, you walk back and forth a lot. And I said, yes, I do. And you need to keep on me as best you can, okay? But I thought, man, here are these fifth and sixth grade boys. They don't know enough to think, oh, my goodness, what if I mess up? What if, uh, you know, the camera shot's not right or whatever? They, they stepped out of the boat. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out the shortest prayer in the Bible. It's only three words long, Lord, save me. That is an awesome prayer. Lord, save me. Uh, Lord, save my marriage. Lord, save my health. Lord, save my job. Lord, save me. I need forgiveness for my sins and wrongdoing. I need uh, you, Jesus, if I'm going to go to heaven I, I need you to help me figure out how I'm designed and my purpose in life and how you can use me. Lord, that, that prayer will save you and send you to heaven instead of hell. That three-word prayer, Lord, save me. Even as I preach right now, you can pray that prayer out, the cry of the heart. Lord, I've got wrongdoing in my life. I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. Lord, save me and you'll find yourself eternity in heaven rather than eternity in hell. It is a powerful prayer, and he prayed it. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, I don't think he said this like, you of little faith, why did you doubt? No. He said it like a parent. He said it like a coach. Oh, man, Peter, you almost had it. You were there. Uh, why'd, you, why'd you doubt? Uh, you of, uh, why'd you doubt? You of little faith. Why did you doubt? Um, by the way, a little bit of a tangent. Uh, boy, if you want a great sermon on doubt, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Eric, our high school pastor, I finally got a chance to listen to that a couple of days ago. What an unbelievable message. I can't believe that kid is 29 years old. I'm telling you. I, I, I wasn't nearly that smart when I was 29 years old. May not be that smart now. I'm telling you. It was just a great, great message. And, and by the way, if you didn't you get a chance to catch that because people are traveling, it's August and everything, get a hold of that message. I found it so helpful. He was talking, what is it, John chapter 20 with Thomas and just how to deal with doubt in the Christian life. And immediately when I heard it, I thought of my oikos, a Greek word for household, the 8 to 15 in your sphere of influence, I thought of people in my oikos, ah, I got to get them that message because they'll know that it's okay to struggle with their doubts when they're considering whether to follow Jesus or not. So go online, go to our website, go online, listen to that message. It is absolutely, uh, it is out, absolutely an outstanding message. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat 
worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Only the first time, the disciples, the first time they ever used this title for Jesus. Truly, you are the Son of God. You know what will happen when you take a step of, of faith to serve God or serve other people? And you get beyond yourself and you get afraid and you don't think you've got enough. You have an if-only mindset. And all of a sudden you take a step and you bring what little you have to Jesus. You take a step out of the boat and God shows up. You know what you'll do? You will worship him and say, truly, you are the son of God. You know, there are a lot of evidences for the existence of God, for the truth of the Bible. Um, just I, I love Christian apologetics, the defense of the faith. And I'm telling you, there's just so much of history and archaeology and uh, scientific evidence and fulfilled prophecy and evidence for the resurrection and evidence for miracles. But I tell you what, you know what one of the most powerful evidences is? When you serve God, you are beyond yourself, your own ability, and God shows up. That is one of the greatest evidences for the existence of God. I love all the other stuff. But I'm telling you, that is powerful. And in that moment when God shows up as those room, small group of high schoolers stare at you, and God shows up when you're helping Awana kids memorize their scripture, and God shows up when you're so tired and you don't want to get out of bed on Sunday morning and come here to church, and, and you're the pastor, man, I'm telling you, and you, and you don't want to come, and, and God shows up and gives you strength, that those moments you will worship him and say, truly, you are the son of God. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. wrote, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven played music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Now, if you turn the page, I also want you to grab this card that was inserted in your program. And I'm asking you to ask God, Lord, would you have me fill this out and put an area where you're interested? And then in, in, in 10 minutes or 15 minutes or so, when we, when we leave this place, uh, there'll be buckets at each one of the exits. And there's going to be ushers there and pastors giving you high fives when you turn this card in. And, and what's an area you're interested in? And I want you to know that just by turning it in, you're not obligated. You just want to get more information, okay? And so would you put your information there and you say, yeah, here's one of the areas on this list that I might be interested in. And, and, and you, you write it in there, okay? And, and somebody will contact you and just answer your questions. And you're not signing yourself up for the next 50 years or anything like that. It just uh, sign yourself up to get some more information to find out if this might be an area where you could serve. If you could put your information there and in an area where you might be able to serve and turn in this card as you leave. Now this one here focuses in on Sunday areas to serve, but I want to just give you a warning. There, there will be such a blessing. There will be so much joy and excitement if you do this. But I want to tell you, if you don't do it, if you don't do it, here's what could happen. Let's watch this. Hey, I'm new here, and I'm just wondering where I can park. How about right there? Well, I don't want to park there. What about those nice blue spots? I said over there. Are you going to make me get out of this car? You don't want that. Hey, 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 come back here. Hey, hey, I'm talking to you.
like to welcome our visitors. Uh, we've got five, five, three, four, four gifts. We've got orange juice, wait, coffee, and a bagel. No wait, a donut, and a couple of CDs out front by the fountain. Now would you turn with me somewhere in your Bible, whatever works for you. All right, three things. Number one, ask God. I'm just asking you to ask. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I love this quote. I don't know where it came from, but I, I don't have a person next to it, but just put that up there. If you want to have something you've never had before, you need to do something you've never done before. And if you want to have a sense of excitement and adventure in your Christian life that you've never had before, then you've got to do something you've never done before. And the first step is simply to ask. And I want to, I want to just take 30 seconds right now, just 30 seconds of silence. Uh, the question is not, um, Lord, uh, if I should serve, because he's already answered that in the Bible. Everybody's designed to serve. He's answered the if question. The question you should ask is, where should I serve? I know I'm designed to serve somewhere. Lord, where would that be? Let's just take 30 seconds and ask God. Okay, number two, you ask God. Number two, you experiment. God won't steer a parked car. Just get going doing something. Just try something. Even you say, what if I don't get it nailed the first time? Doesn't matter. Keep experimenting until you find something that you click with, okay? Even the greatest Christian that ever lived, Paul, if you look at this passage here, it says Paul and his companions traveled, okay? They, they moved before they knew exactly where God was sending them. He, he won't steer a parked car. So they started traveling, and look at the mistakes they made. This is the greatest Christian that ever lived, okay? Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, all right? They said, well, we think the province of Asia. And God said, nope. Well, okay, let's go over here. How about the province of Bithynia? Nope. Finally, they get a vision of a man from Macedonia, what is today the nation of Greece, and he says, come here, and so they said, okay, that must be it. They made two mistakes. They signed up for two things on this card that weren't it until they finally found something that was it. And so you begin to experiment. Uh, try something. You're not stuck for 20 years if you get in the, an area that you don't enjoy, okay? It's totally up to you as to how you feel God leading you. And then you enjoy it. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You're going to have so much fun. There's nothing more fun than doing what God has designed you to do, and he designed you to serve. And so when you serve, that's when you enjoy the Christian life. That's when you have fun, and that's when you have an adventure. When you volunteer, and that's why this is Volunteer Sunday. I will drop this in the bucket in five minutes. Though I don't know everything about it, and I don't know the way, I'm willing to still volunteer and give it a shot. Let's stand up, let's worship for a few minutes, and then we'll close off.